Hey, Janet. How you doing? Hello, Lucy. Happy episode four. Episode four. I'm so I'm sorry for laughing, but I, I try to make Lucy laugh with the the, the countdown of pulling faces, and one day I'm going to get caught. <laughs> I am every ounce professional. So sorry, Janet, but that's a challenge I'm willing to accept. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yes, uh, episode four. Can you believe it, Luce? Nearly a handful. Can't believe it at all. And every guest we have had has blown me out of the water with their inspired insights into this topic. I'm so chuffed. And it is. And you know what? There is so many different angles that I'd never thought of that people are coming from and different types of experiences that really have blown me out of my out of the water. Um, yeah. So, so today we have, um, do you know who we've got today, Lucy? I may know, but just give me a little hint. He is pretty damn amazing. And one of the things that uh, that we've learned about Simon Owen. Simon Owen. It is Simon Owen. Simon Owen. Yeah. Um, is that he is, do you know what? He's really gr- amazing. Life experience really blew me. We have to stop using the phrase, blow me out of the water. Because we've said it about six times. He has really just wowed me and one of the things about tech is people sometimes just enter tech straight from school yeah and I want you to really encourage everybody to listen because my goodness he brought such life experience with him and therefore was able to adjust and understand things so Simon is just fantastic yeah I have to agree I mean the diversity in his career which has meant he's gained the success he has is just insane so without further ado we shall hand over to the wonderful Simon Owen from Avalard. Good morning, good afternoon, good day wherever you're joining us from thank you ever so much for taking the time to listen to Janet, I and our special guest who this week is the fantastic Simon Owen who joins us with a really very quite swanky job title group manager at Avanard in the global power platform center of excellence so firstly simon thank you so much for taking the time i know you're super busy and we are delighted that you have taken the time to join us for this conversation but before we get started we would love to hear a little bit more about you your history your career and why you wanted to be involved in this conversation yeah sure thanks very much for inviting me so um i've been in the power platform world it must be a about five or six years now. It goes so quickly, doesn't it? Um, and a few, I've, I've worn a few different hats. So, so my background is in IT. I was originally, I did a chemistry degree. I worked at an oil refinery for five years in quality control lab. Then I, I kind of, I ditched it and threw it all away because I was fed up with that. And I did, uh, I worked for a local karate club for about nine months. And then I moved into GSK, into the pharma world. So I was in manufacturing and supply chain, hands-on kind of making drugs. And so mostly epilepsy, cancer drugs, um, but then moved through loads of different roles. I was there for 16 years, moved from manufacturing into IT, was IT service manager, was IT lead and, and part of the senior leadership team. And then the last three years of that was around digital transformation. So we looked at all sorts of things. So stuff like virtual reality and augmented reality, workflow management tools, all that kind of stuff, and stumbled across the power platform at the time. 
didn't really know how to use it, where to use it, who should use it, any of that kind of stuff. So, so took a real experimental approach and a small group of us came together and, and just learned together. So there were eight of us to start with and we'd come together for an hour and we'd talk about what we'd learned, what the challenges were, how we'd, how we'd succeeded, how we'd failed. And, and just shared and helped each other learn and grow. And then we started to broaden our group, both physically and then into the virtual world across the organization. And over the, the last three years I was there at GSK, grew that from eight people up to four and a half thousand people in that community across 70 countries, visibility right up to C-suite um, for the Power Platform, established all the governance and guardrails, working with the product owner, and then again, well, like a lot of big organizations and, and you'll, you'll be familiar with this rounds of redundancy. And, and actually I was made redundant from GSA. And fortunately that led me into kind of doing this stuff properly and, and, and doing it for Amphenard. Um, so I left GSK on 31st of July, a couple of years ago, two weeks later, I started at Avenard and I'm, I'm nearly two years in now. So, so yeah, get to do this with all sorts of other organizations and companies and work with amazing people all over the world. Bloody hell. Wow. So j just so you know, when, when this gets cut, you don't see our faces when you're talking, Simon, but honestly, this is Lucy and I going, huh? Huh? Bloody hell? <laughs> Me? <laughs> Me? Wow. Wow. Now I've got to add, now I've got I'm going to have to quickly add about 49, seven, 49 qu extra questions. We've only got 20 minutes. I don't know how we're going to cope. Uh, wow. Well, well, we knew you were a bit of a superstar, but, you know, you've just blown us out of the water. So um, we basically should get you to just talk for 20 minutes. But the one of the reasons that um, Luce and I were very, very keen to, to get you on, Simon, is you're one of the few at the minute that, um, and especially at your level, who's really, and I love this phrase, harping on about <laughs> adoption. So um, you have a blog and I was reading through your blog and the first thing that hit me was that you were really quite hitting home the importance of strategy and vision within the creation of a power platform, center of excellence, et cetera. And I went, that's the first time I've really heard somebody go how important it is. Could I ask you to explain why you personally think it's so important, why people and potentially why people aren't focusing on that. Um, and I'll shut up now. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I guess I've seen, seen from a few different angles that it's, it's generally a gap. So certainly in my old life, there wasn't a strategy and vision around Power Platform. We found the platform by mistake and, and kind of grew it. And then only through the success and the way that we'd engaged with the organization did, did the senior leaders start to understand where it was and how it fit. And, and it's a pattern that I've seen across other customers and organizations that, that I've been working with since. And I think generally, generally all organizations are slightly different, right? But a lot of the, the, the way that it seems to flow for me is that people find that they've got this platform, they find a load of chaos and, and kind of uh, stuff that they didn't know was there. So there's apps and there's flows and there's environments and there's people doing stuff and there's, there's a lot of fear and concern. So often that first step is about trying to get their arms around it, put the governance and guardrails in place, migrate them to a place of, of safety. Then, then, and a lot of the, the engagements that, that I'm, I'm involved with is, is that kind of start point. 
But now we're seeing organizations that have got to that next level of maturity. And now they're thinking, okay, well, I'm safe. I'm secure. I kind of see what some of these folks are doing. I understand where it fits and some of the messaging, especially from Microsoft around it. How do I get some of that? How do I start releasing value and get some of the, 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 the real business transformational stuff happening? And now they're starting to think about that, that, that vision and that, that strategy and that roadmap on well, how do I actually do it? So I know how to do things like roll out SharePoint online or roll out teams, but I think this is a little bit different. The way, the way that people kind of jump onto it and they're excited by it is quite, quite different. So there's, there's some different approaches that they can take. And I didn't see anybody else really writing about it. There's been a lot more action kind of the last, I don't know, two or three months, especially. And, and I spoke to Mark Smith just recently. And he started talking more about center of enablement as a concept alongside center of excellence. I thought, yeah, time's right. Actually, I've, I've got a bundle of experience. I think I can, I can help people learn in this space and, and inspire them to think a little bit differently. So, so that's what, what triggered me to kick off writing about this. Well, we're delighted that you have, and it definitely made for really interesting reading for Janet and I. And like, like Janet said, one of the reasons we were so keen to have you on to speak, I suppose. Slight curveball question here. I'm potentially going to put a cat amongst the pigeons. Uh, excuse the pun. We'll come on to that later. Um, you seem to do pretty well at GSK, even though you know you discovered the app, but you built your community. Do you think there's anything to be said for perhaps slightly less strategy and maybe more organic growth? Or do you think we've come further on from that now? I'm a real fan of it, actually. I, I love the disruptive power of the platform and, and I don't think there's I don't think it's an either or thing I think you need both um, but I don't think you can have both from the start from my experience I don't think there's enough recognition that about what the platform is and where it can go and and not so much the, the kind of technical elements and how people build solutions but the people side of it and the people value that can be unleashed with it I don't think that true vision can be set from day one until people start to be touched by it and feel it and, and understand what it means to people in their organization. And that's a, that's at all levels. So I think there's my, my, I, I kind of tend towards chaos to start with. I must admit. So I love that people can, can explore and they, they experiment and, and they kind of find their own way whilst the organization is understanding how they have to govern it as well. Um, but I, you know, it's kind of a, a bit of another kind of link chicken and egg scenario. Um, <laughs> but I think you need both happening at the same time. And, and I think that takes a different type of leadership than perhaps we traditionally have in an organization. Uh, I love your point there, actually, Simon, around the concept of chicken and egg and not sure whether you need the chaos or you need the plan and the strategy and the guardrails. And I think you're quite right about having that right leader in place to be able to nurture that scenario, you know, give an inch, you know, in order for people to then go and run with it and experience what they need to experience. But I could talk about that all day, so I'm going to hand off to Janet now because I know she's got a much better question than my waffle. Uh, well, no, I, I, I agree with Luce and what you said is it's, it can really frighten people. And sometimes people are a lot more forgiving and et cetera, et cetera. So it was a really good point. 
one of um one of the things I'm interested in is when when you did your introduction, you talked about your power power rangers and you know quite a large number of power rangers in fact, and champions or power rangers or subject matter experts, whatever you want to call them, is a big passion of mine because I feel a lot of the time we create and we don't finish or we don't nurture um can you tell me what how what was your expectations? how you be able were able to actually maintain it, um, et cetera. So I, I think at the beginning, I didn't really have any expectations because I, I kept expecting to be shut down, actually, that I was doing the wrong thing because I was being disruptive and, and there wasn't a vision and a strategy around it. So, so I, I kept growing this size of community and, and the way that I, I approached that was to really it's through, it's through storytelling. It's trying to make superheroes across the organization, really. So, so recognizing that, yeah, there's a technology change going on and there's some processes wrapped around it, but actually this is a behavioral change. This is, this is opening the doors for people to act in a different way, solve problems in a different way, learn in a different way, work together in a different way. And, and so what I tried to do was to think about, well, what am I trying to encourage people to do? And it was all of those elements. And I would tell stories, not just around the solutions that people were building, but that, that's useful. That's, that's important because that's where some of the kind of recognized value comes from. But tell stories about the people themselves. So, so help people say, well, how did they start? How did they find the platform? What challenges did they hit? What, what did they find easy? And try and find people throughout the organization in different roles at different levels so that, that people could identify with people who were already on this journey. So we, we, we commonly kind of pay more attention and we're inspired by people like us who are doing, doing traditional things. So, so if I'm in a particular role and I see someone else getting some kudos or doing something interesting or enjoying coming to work, I want to know how they did it and, and say, well, how, what were your, what were your breadcrumbs that you left behind? Can I follow what you've done and, and maybe get the same kind of results? So, so, so that was kind of my ethos in growing the community as well is like try and lead the breadcrumbs to these superheroes, not, not me being the kind of big singing and dancing man telling the, telling the world about what I've done, but try and tell other people's stories and, and highlight to their leadership or their parts of the organization on what they've done differently to inspire other people to follow them rather than, rather than follow me. So that, that, that was, that was really my approach. Um, and sometimes those people were leaders of others. Sometimes they were just individuals through the organization, normal people doing normal jobs, not I, not IT people. So, so yeah, that, that seemed to resonate that I really stumbled across something there. So did more and more of that. I love that story. I think I can't begin to agree more with that concept of uh i mean we talk about it a lot on this podcast empathy and compassion but we normally talk about it in the context of you know training someone ultimately bringing someone along on the journey not when we're thinking about the champions network the power rangers themselves and so that's really really interesting i guess i'd be keen to understand sort of logistically how did you find those people how did you connect with them did you have a website did you have an, e an extra how did you you know, in an organization the size of GSK, how did you find or leave, where did you leave the breadcrumbs, I guess, would be, the, yeah. <laughs> would be my question. We started with that face-to-face -face group in the location that I was at, but, but 
very quickly thought, oh, okay, well, there's, there's more opportunity here. So we, as internal social media, we were using Workplace, Facebook. So other organizations now, Yammer maybe, or, or Viva Engage, Teams, just a platform that can bring people together and they can collaborate. But the, the initially, I think the other thing that I try not to get hung up on is, is thinking that you've got to boil the ocean as well, that, that, yeah, okay. There's these big organizations. You're not trying to win over everybody. You're trying to win over one person, one at a time so that they can have a knock on effect that, that inspires others to join in and become this movement as well. So, so initially it was, it was just me doing this stuff and I was trying to make sure people were doing the right thing and not, not struggling kind of delve into these high risk use cases or or expose risk to the org. Um Simon, can I ask um kind of not quite a curveball question, but a question that would if you were to give advice to an organization, so an organization who was wanting to start with Power Platform, what would you say would be the first couple of steps that you would put in place? Because we didn't have a platform team run, running the platform or guardrails or any of that kind of stuff. I, I jumped in and thought, well, let's try and build that momentum and build a bit of tension that then triggers the right things to happen. I think if you had the choice, you want to try and get some of that governance in early doors so that you haven't got a big pile of mess to then try and clean up afterwards. So that for me, that, that, that's always the ideal step one. Um, but then if we're moving into the adoption and the enablement part, start small. You experiment a little bit. Um, so, so yeah, you can jump in and treat it like any other upskilling organization project and define a load of learning paths and create a load of training materials and put a load of training sessions in place. But from day one, form is, is especially different to some of those, those kind of traditional business change projects that yeah, the the platform's evolving at such a pace that, that even as somebody who's passionate and, and kind of hooked into the community, it's impossible to stay on top of everything and understand all of the opportunities. But I think where I look at it is teaching an organization on, on how to learn, not necessarily what to learn. There's a thin layer that you need to look, teach them. So it's stuff around internal governance and processes and how everything's set up, but Actually, a lot of the how-to stuff, teaching them that there's all these great YouTube stars and, and bloggers who are creating amazing content. And of course, the, the Microsoft Learn materials and all, all of those more structured things as well. Teaching them that they're all out there is really key, but also teaching them that they're learning together. So, so encouraging that sharing kind of behavior as well. So... I found this great link. I'm going to share it with the community or I've just solved this problem. I'm going to do a little video or, or a couple of screenshots to tell people about it. It's really, really about fostering that kind of learning as well. So, so teaching each other how to, how to fish. I love that. I think that is so vital. And that also encourages that momentum as well, doesn't it? Oh, I got this. Oh, someone will love that. And getting that kind of feedback in a social media style way is really important. We talked a lot about strategy and, you know, traditionally on this podcast, we focus on the roles and the people. Um, and I know we've spoken about the Power Rangers and, and, and your community of individuals that you built at GSK, but outside of just your time at GSK, what roles do you feel are important in the successful delivery of a business transformation project like 
the power platform. I think there's there's probably an ideal scenario and then a, a more realistic scenario, I guess. So one thing that I'm in the process of writing about and, and being a follow-up blog post is in an ideal world, you'd have that, that kind of leadership right at the top of the house, understanding what the opportunity is. They'd be helping set that vision, not just from a technology standpoint, but, but the value that they want to actually deliver to people and the organization as well. And then you'd be able to cascade that down through the different layers of leadership and encourage people to start that journey all along. So, so I think there's a bit around the leadership. There's obviously the change management skills and capabilities that unlock all of that, because that's, that's not something that people generally do natively well. But I think, I think the realistic scenario that I often see is generally they're different skill sets and it's really unusual to find them in one person. So bringing those together is really key. So I think finding the right person to lead the initiative, who's, who's kind of got that, got that understanding and got that passion that they want to make a difference to the people as well as do the technology stuff. For me, that's, that's kind of the key person. Because if they're, if they're, they're thinking about leaving an impact on those people and making a difference in their day-to-day lives, you have a different view of how you unlock the technology than just thinking about it, about from putting the, the security and the guardrails in place. So, so I don't think it's common, but that, that would be the person that that's the critical person for me is that person with the energy, the enthusiasm. The, the insights on where it could go and the linkage into the technology piece if they don't have it themselves. And I, I think this is a key reason that Smith talks about the center of excellence, center of enablement is that generally they're different skill sets and it's really unusual to find them in, in one person. So bringing those together is really key. Sometimes you can find a unicorn that can do both. And that, that's, but, you know, unicorns aren't, you know, down the street and in, in the local shop. Um, I, I personally believe exactly what you said. And you, and you did say that this was rare, that there is to be somebody in charge. Somebody's that that's their role. That's their, their, that's, that's their job. And it is often usually at the moment stacked in with somebody else's job as a, an add on. And um, I personally think that it can't be an add-on. It has to be a strategic part of, of their job. Uh, 2852. A strategic part of their job to, to actually do the role themselves. Um, we're actually going to go on to, to um, our unexpected talent show at the moment that we didn't tell you about. So hopefully yeah. you had um, a good... A couple of minutes to come up with a talent. I'm going to hand over to Lucy, who introduces it so much better than me. <laughs> so, as we mentioned very briefly in advance of this podcast, Simon, every week we have a recurring theme that we like to call the Unexpected Talent Show because we like to focus on the roles and the individuals that we're speaking to. And so, without further ado, if there is any hobby, pastime, habit, whatever it might be that is unexpected in your friends or your family and your members of the community don't know about, we would love to gain that insight into you. I don't, I don't know if it's that unusual or, or special, but I really love food and cooking. And, and over the last 
I don't know, 20 or 30 years, I've done all sorts of courses. I've done a lamb butchery course. I've done a fish course at Billingsgate Fish Market. I've done a pasta course with Aldo Zilli. I've done a beef Wellington masterclass at one of Gordon Ramsay's restaurants. So I've done all sorts of different courses. I'm, I'm just um, two months time or so. I'm doing a bread making course with Richard Bertinet in, in Bath as well. So, so I, I really love this sort of stuff. And it's often a surprise for people when they come around for dinner, because I really try and kind of pull out all the stops and, and give them a really nice dinner to come, come around to. So, so yeah, as some people may not know that about me. Well, that was a total surprise to me. I don't know about you, Janet. Well, I, do you know what? I've always watched them make Beef Wellington and I thought it looked lovely. I've never had Beef Wellington. So, Simon, could I have an introduction to your dinner party, please? Yeah. Janet, once you have a Beef Wellington, you will never go back. That will be it then. I, I, honestly, in Belfast, you get an Ulster Fry. That's about as exciting as we get. So I'll be coming to the <laughs> posh area of Surrey to get my Beef Wellington, Simon. <laughs> awesome. That sounds awesome, though. Did you, did you get to meet Aldo Zilli whilst making pasta? He was taking the course. Oh, I love that though. And it's really great to hear about that kind of hidden passion and talent. So yeah, congratulations. And yeah, as Janet says, we'll look forward to our invite yeah. <laughs> for our Beef Wellington. <laughs> anyway, without further ado, thank you so much, Simon, for taking the time and joining in the conversation around the tech world revolution. We are blown away by your answers to our hastily prepared questions. Um, and we're really grateful you've taken the time. So thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you for listening.